0: My name's Kendra Houseman from Out of the Shadows, and you're about to listen to a series of interviews that took place over nine months. I want to know what life would be like for a child that had been through domestic abuse, parental mental health, poverty, and exploitation, to name a few. What would happen if we created a team, an army almost, to support that child? 28 people were interviewed, all with the same question in mind. What could have been different for child B? You're about to listen to Blondie's people, So follow us on our journey where I will speak to everyone from George the Poet to some of my good friends as we discover what it takes to become one of Blondie's people. Within these episodes you will find answers, you will find guidance and most of all you will find an insight to a world that many do not know. There's a trigger warning for some of these episodes and some of them are not child friendly. We're going to talk about things that are very, very raw and real. So kick back and get ready for a journey, a journey you will not forget. Welcome to Blondie People. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Ketra Houseman and these interviews are for Blondie People. People that I would uh, aspire to be like now, but also people that could have helped me when I was younger. Today's guest is very nervous. Let's see what happens because she, she just gets carried away. So it's going to be fine. So I ask everyone <laughs> the same question. Who are you and what do you do?
1: well i'm debbie sales and currently and up until today i was an inclusion and attendance advisor for the local authority which means that i guide and advise head teachers and senior leaders in schools around how to be more inclusive how to prevent excluding their young people and how to avoid permanently excluding those young people and if they do Find themselves in a position where they have no other choice, as they see it, to permanently exclude that young person. Then I work really closely with them to safeguard that young person as well, and to make sure that we find the right fit for them when they they move on to their new school. I also get involved with contextual safeguarding meetings, all kinds of things like that, heavy out in the district. Um, but as of Monday, <laughs> I am heading off on a secondment. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to community safety partnership where I will be looking at domestic homicide reviews and trying to pull out best practice from there and looking at different roles that people played in that person's life. So massive departure coming out of eighteen years of education. It's like, oh no (laughs) but I'm only doing it for about nine months.
0: Did you ever see yourself moving into that kind of work? I know you always wanted to do stuff like that, but did you ever think you'd have the confidence?
1: No, no, I didn't. And that confidence has has come from um, finding a newfound belief in myself in the last couple of years and realising that actually I can bring a lot to the table now that, you know, I... would I'm, I'm much more well I'm old now I'm 52 now <laughs> so you know I've got I've got age on my side and finally understand that with age does come a certain amount of yeah I can do that you know I can put myself out there but if you'd asked me that question two three years ago would yep. I have been confident the answer would have been absolutely not no way on God's green earth no the, way. the
0: reason I've asked you to be part of Blondie's People is, is, is twofold. So so everyone knows, me and Debbie are related by cats. She um, has yeah. one of my kittens, so I'm like her mother cat-in-law or something. I don't know. How is, <laughs> Lucifer? Like that. Yeah. How is
1: Lucifer doing? <laughs> oh, Lucifer is amazing. He is, he is probably the most interesting cat I've ever had, in so much as we couldn't have named him more appropriately. <laughs> and he's come from your house, so... <laughs> <laughs> he's um He terrorizes my one of my eight year old ginger cats to the point where Fred has taught him how to be a cat basically, and him and Fred just roll around the floor they they are they are best friends he He has even brought pixie out who is i have six cats um nice cat lady. Pixie, yeah. yeah pixie is a rescue cat who Never went outside. She didn't do anything. She was really vicious. She'd had a really nasty, nasty life. We think, because we don't know. But the way she behaved kind of led me to believe that she'd yeah. not been treated particularly nicely. But her and Lucifer, he brings out the little kitten in her and she plays with him. She still spits at him and stuff. But, but no, Lucifer's great. He's very skinny, very tall. Um, he's very naughty. Very it, naughty. He sounds like me. Yes. He is Kendra, <laughs> but, he, but yeah, in cat form. But, ha, oh, he's beautiful. He's got a lovely temperament. He comes and curls up on your lap. He cries to come up to bed with me at night and then he bites my husband on the face to let him out about five o'clock in the morning because <laughs> he knows I won't wake up on that yet. Yeah, no.
0: the the reason i mentioned the fact is you've got a kitten is so people can see how caring you are because i know that for a long time you've been guarded so the way for me to let people peek inside the person i know is by talking about something that you love the reason i actually see part of blondies people is for two reasons so as an adult oh my god the stuff that you do the advice you give to people the way you present yourself the things i've heard you say you're, you can advise people to see things outside the box. That's what I, how I see you. You, you'd, you advise people how to stop being stupid and just include everyone and make people be empowered. So as an adult, you're somebody I want on my team. Like, so if me and you was going to go and work with a child, I know that I'm bringing somebody yes. to the table that is bringing something that other people haven't. As a child, I think that you would have made sure that Blondie had a good go at staying in education and you would have have judged her. Yeah, so you're here for for two reasons. In that sense, you're here as an adult because we'd worked together as a child. But the main reason I've got you here is because you're somebody else who can talk about sharing their truth, their story and having an impact. When I first met you, you were so nervous and unsure. We'll talk about it in a minute, but you you had no confidence. You walked up to me and you were just you just doubted yourself. And I've watched you, even physically, you look completely different. You've just evolved into like a bit of a so tell me, tell me what is the power of telling your truth? Tell me what made you decide to, after all these years, stand
1: up and tell your story. it was listening to yours actually it was it was listening to yours your story absolutely hit me hard and it made me cry a lot with my colleagues in a training session that's all right i'll let you off and i didn't expect to have that reaction okay and you you'd made such strong eye contact with me at that very last sentence, when you you said, and you looked straight into my soul and said, are you listening to me now? And at that point, everything just kind of, these, these, this part of me that I'd been keeping away from my, my brain for so long, stood up and said, you need to hear yourself too, lady, like me. Um, because I was listening to you thinking, wow she's so brave stood there in front of a whole room full of strangers telling us her innermost secrets her innermost life and i thought it all kind of happened in a split second and i just had this flash in my head of stop hiding stop it you know and it was before you even knew anything about me all you knew was i had tattoos Yes, lots. I had two tasks yeah, I had two and I planned my next five. And Junior christened me Debbie with the dark side.
0: Yeah.
1: And I thought you couldn't be more, you know, closer to the truth if you tried. And it was uh, in that meeting you and coming up to you and the, the shaking, the physical shaking that I was experiencing while I was talking to you was I was in awe of you and your situation, how far you've come and looking at your journey and I kind of looked back and looked over my shoulder at my colleague who was with me and it was a look on his face that made me realise that for me to be able to do my job in a better way and for me to be able to be a better parent as well and a better grandparent meant that I had to own my story and I had to make peace with my story i would never made peace with any of it and i denied it for so long and ignored it and carried these demons around with me for such a long time that that person who you saw that day was the beginning of me coming out of realizing it was it was an incredible moment and I sometimes get emotional thinking about that day when I first met you. Yeah. Because that is the day that changed my life. Oh. Had I not it was had I not bullied my boss into letting me go to a training session during my half term, I would never have met you. Our paths were destined to cross. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Not just so that I could give Lucifer a home two years later, but you know i think that had a big part but i the reason i wanted to tell my truth is because i finally accepted that who i was wasn't who i was i was a i was a copy of somebody i wasn't me and i'd i'd been i've been so many years in denial and i've made this persona come out who seem to be brave at times and people used to say no you're really ballsy and you're this or that i'm like no actually i'm terrified of of everything and i'll go home and cry that kind of thing but as soon as i started and i got home and i started to think about things i hadn't thought about for nearly 30 something years yeah and all these thoughts came back into my head um they just crowded me out and it it scared the life out of me absolutely terrified me and I thought something that's making me feel that awful yep. could also make me feel really good because they're, the, they're two sides of the same coin. Yep. and evil sit together for a reason, yin and yang, all of those things. And I had to go on a bit of a journey myself to find my truth. What was actually my truth, not, not the way I was living, the way I was being a person, all those kinds of things, because I suddenly realized that in order to be a better version of me I had to integrate the bad stuff into my present and just shake hands with it and go do you know what shit happens sorry <laughs> and it that it does and it didn't it took me a while and some of the things that that you were talking about in that train I was like hold on a minute <laughs> hold on a minute you know but then you think actually things happened when I was a grown-up I wasn't a child who was vulnerable but I was an adult who was vulnerable um but I didn't think I was because I thought I got it all together I was you know a 19 20 year old girl you think you got it all together you think you know everything you think you're you're on top of the world you can go out and conquer everything that's not true you're just a scared little five-year-old who still needs to go home and you know, crying to your cushion at night because, oh, that day was horrible. But by facing my demons, if you like, by facing the experiences that I lived through, then it it meant that I could help people more and I could understand where people were coming from and actually truthfully say to them, I get it. Yeah. I really yeah. get it and the the look in my eye would be different and the tone in my voice would be different. And they would know that because I know it when I hear it in someone else, I know when it's a platitude and I know when it's a truth. When it's a platitude, I just dismiss it because I'm like, how how can you, you can't, you can have an idea, but you you can't. And when I speak to somebody who there's a certain tilt to the head, there's a certain curl of the corner of the mouth. There's a, a softness that comes out and you just you know that you're speaking to somebody who might not have the same experience as you but has had a similar demon live inside of them it was it was like a dark shadow sitting there for many many years
0: i think that's why um so junior smart said oh that's that's debbie with the dark side and then to me you always will be and always have been dark side debbie like from that, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's point,
0: right. Yeah, it wasn't just a tattoo. So what had happened? You come over and shook my hand, or you come over to say thank you for the presentation, and we'd caught mm. eye contact right from the beginning, and I could see yeah. a darkness in you. that like, I knew from the minute we touched hands, I was like, "Whoa, this this woman's been through some shit." And I think I kind of mentioned it at some point. I was like, "Oh, because mm. like I, t- I spoke as if I knew it." I was like, "Oh, because of your past," yeah. and, and you sort of looked at me to say my past and i was like oh shit!" shit. and i was like oh sorry like i just and i could see it you become dark side debbie and always have been because you had dark side and i could see it and we spoke about it Mm -hmm. but like a lot of people who who want to tell their truth you didn't go public and you didn't go speak about it you spoke about your truth and your story in your way but the fact is by speaking it has had a massive impact so what was life like before you told your truth? What was life like? Was you always scared of getting caught out in effect? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I was I was always, I always had this feeling of um, a bit like imposter syndrome. I always felt like I wasn't quite good enough and I wasn't quite clever enough and yeah. I wasn't quite pretty enough and I wasn't quite thin enough and I wasn't Quite old enough, and I wasn't quite young enough. I was never something enough you know, and I always felt like um I always felt like if if I let too much slip, then everything would implode, and i had to i i had to live i lived on my nerves um and I had to keep up this this facade of being together of being on it of being um just just being on it um which was the biggest lie in the world because i wasn't and i i just used to shut things down i just used to no not not even going there not addressing that it go away that didn't that no and i'd find myself in really weird situations while i was sort of growing growing up and changing and i'd find myself in really dangerous positions sometimes and you kind of go what are you doing <laughs> you know and it'd be oh it's okay i'll be okay i'll be fine yeah, yeah. what could possibly go wrong well a lot could go wrong but i i was i was drifting and i felt quite shackled and chained you said that um yeah which which is a bit of a contradiction in itself because to feel like i was drifting but also that i was tied down and shackled and chained and all the rest of it i was i was chained into something that i couldn't let go of because i didn't know how to let go of it and i hadn't i hadn't got any idea that it's what was causing me to have some quite horrible mental health issues at times and um on the verge of breakdown occasionally um really dangerous relationship with alcohol and illegal drugs for a while um but not for a very long time on on those that sort of side i I grew up in the 80s yeah
0: so
1: you know (laughs) it was it was almost if you remember the 80s you weren't there (laughs) but it it, but yeah I, i did i i relied heavily on alcohol to get me through, Um, I've addressed that relationship. And I think by addressing what my driver was enabled me to address my really bad relationship with alcohol, really bad relationship, and my really bad relationship with food, because I would eat and drink things to just keep it down. And also, if I was a little bit out of it, nothing will hurt me.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I'm anaesthetised to it.
0: We had a kind of conversation so what happened is after um we had first met we talked straight away we we was talking and you kind of mm-hmm. disclosed to me in a roundabout way that something had happened in the past and you was you was used you I, I always have a drink is what you said i always have a drink and then we started talking we started talking and we started unraveling about what had taken place when you was younger since yeah. some first conversations to now It's like watching, I wish people could watch what I've seen. So you went from a very, um, I'm having a drink, I'll drink, that's what I do, and I'm going to sit, and you always say, I'll say what you're doing, you'll be like, I'm just getting takeaway. Now, all I hear about is which run you've done, when you zoom up, what (laughs) hairstyle you've got, and and you just Um. just look amazing. Like, you've literally, people might not be able to see it because they've not seen your journey, but you've just done a free, you've done a free, you just... And you look like a different person. If I could get a picture of when we first met, and I probably have that day. I'll send you one. <laughs> yeah. I think, I've got, I think there was a photo taken that day to right now. I think there was. Yeah. yeah. You, it's not just your physical eyes and your physical
1: appearance. You look lighter. You don't look sad anymore. No. And a lot of people have said that. Um, really? See? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've been told that everything about me is different to how how it was and I I believe them because I feel different I feel free I feel free the first time in my life I feel free and what
0: was your biggest what was your biggest fear about speaking out before you decided to do and and speak about
1: it and we don't need to go into detail
0: for you what was your biggest worry
1: my biggest worry was how people would view me afterwards okay it was It was my my fear was will they still like me for me? Um, whoever me was at the time. Um, because she was a weird person for a while, but now she's all right. Um how would it affect my relationship with people? Would it affect my work? Um would would my colleagues view me in a different way if 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 they, they knew the journey I'm on. Um I was terrified that it would maybe change my dynamic with my husband as well because he's he's been in my life 30 years and he's i knew him as a kid as well so we you know but we live in a village what do you expect but he's he's someone who who's never expected the world of you know he's never expected me to be anybody other than who he sees in front of him and he, he's watched me go through lots of different things and he never questions anything. He, he just lets me be yeah. who I am. And I'd do the same with him. And I was really worried that by, by speaking out, speaking my truth and being me, I would, I would damage that. Yeah, That's been my yeah. biggest fear is that I would lose him because without him in my life, I don't have a rudder. I don't have something to keep me Going in the right direction um, he's watched me fall he's watched me plummet on occasion we've had some some humdingers of fights over the years because he hated what I was doing to myself at times, and he didn't understand why I was doing it. Um, all he knew was that I'd just had shit go on in my life and, and he, he just he's just been there and he's, he didn't, he didn't save me. I'm not saying he's the, he's my, my, you know, knight in shining armor. He's not that at all. He's, he's a really good bloke who puts up with an awful lot of crap from me and, <laughs> and six cats. He didn't walk he, away. when
0: he didn't, want, and, he didn't want Lucifer, did he? He said,
1: he said, don't, don't get a kitten. Don't. And you did. Yeah. He was like, yeah. And I, I did. <laughs> and now Lucifer runs up the garden to see him. They, they are best buddies. And he refers to Lucifer as little man. And he, he's like, he, he gets lost if he can't find little man anywhere. If he hasn't seen him for a couple of hours, he's like, oh, where's little man? You know? And, and it's, it's, his, it's his compassion that I was frightened I was going to lose. Yes. And yeah. my children as well, what was going to happen to how they viewed their mum? Because I'm not just me. I've got different roles in people's lives. I'm a mum, I'm a nan, I'm a sister, I'm a best friend, I'm an aunt. You know, I'm, I'm I don't, I'm a, but, and, and I think one of the things that gave me the, the courage to step forward is my parents aren't alive anymore. Yep. I lost both my parents close to each other. April 20, um, 2009, lost my mum. I lost my, my dad in January, 2010. So that was quite an intense period. And I, I never wanted them to know anything. I was terrified. They, they knew that some pretty dark things had gone on, but they didn't know what, and I didn't want them I didn't want them to suffer because of me, if that makes sense. But yeah. Um, yeah, so after, after they passed away, I, I think the journey might have begun then, but I didn't realize it. And it was that meeting with you that just went, that's it. This is, yeah. And I was kind of on an unstoppable journey then.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, um, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, this isn't going to stop. This is just going to, this is life changing. And, and you're right. Now all I ever talk about is where I'm going for my run, how long my run's been, um, sort my hair out, cut it all off, change the colour. But I like this. This is This I is pretty that. much... This is pretty much natural now, so... Beautiful. I Great, and I love it.
0: And when I met you, um, it was black, everything was black, the hair was black, the eyes were black, and it was very heavy. And I'm not knocking that kind of look, but it almost no. felt like you we were hiding. It was just so covered. I was. My hair was, yeah. 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 We've, um, had, we've had some very deep conversations. I remember when we first started our journey, you said to me, if I tell you my truth, what if I go mad? you sort of were so scared. And I said something that like I say to everyone, my mum said that if you think you're going mad, you can't, because if you're going mad, you wouldn't know you were going mad. And so we had that kind of yes. conversation. he was like, oh yeah, all right, fair enough then. And we, and we had some very deep conversations. And, and that was another fear. You was worried about just tipping yourself over the edge. Yes. And I think you had support around you enough in, different, in all the different ways that yes. I said, well, you know, you need to, we need to do that journey together. So the fears there mm. are very real. What would you say to anyone who's watching this and is sitting there, you know, how you was, probably with a glass of wine, tearful, yeah. now, tearful now, thinking, I can never, I can never tell my truth. What would you say to them?
1: Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because if you don't, it will consume you. Yes. And it will, it will destroy you if you don't tell your truth. And... The first time you tell it, you make sure you tell it to someone who will keep it safe and Thank keep you safe. And I'd, I never felt that someone cared enough about me to keep me safe. For telling my truth. One. So I. It's that. I've always been the one to keep me safe.
0: Yeah.
1: But I was. Pretty bad at that for a period of time in my life. I was not very good at keeping myself safe. Well, let's you be honest.
0: yourself safe, you was the, whatever the way you look at it is that whatever you was doing was keeping you safe in that moment when you didn't have the safe place.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess it was, and um, I guess I could have made better choices about keeping myself safe, but I didn't know what they were. No. Um, it, I found I found safety somewhere where you wouldn't expect to find it. I found it, you know, in the bottom of a bottle of whatever, or I, I would, at some points in my life, I would find safety in the arms of a stranger. Yeah. You know, at the end of a booze field night and would feel safe because that person doesn't know me. So they, they can't, they can't hurt me because they don't know me because people who don't know me are the ones who don't hurt me. It's people who know me who, who inflict the pain on me is how my thought processes went in those those periods of time and i guess i i think for any for anybody who is going to who is sitting there if someone is sitting there watching this and are saying but she's got that safari dress on she's got you know posh dresser behind her she's she's bottles of gin and stuff yeah i've got all of that going on i've got my wedding photo over my shoulder it's one of my and another another favorite you know that's my favorite photograph of me and my husband in the whole world that's you know that was i was immensely hungover on that day and we went for a steak dinner at the hungry horse in cliftonville and i had to choke down each mouthful because i felt so sick because i'd had so much booze the day before um i'd had a glass of red wine my dinner. was like yeah okay we're on it i'm good i'm back you know and I think if there's someone sitting at home watching this and they can see what, you know, what is going on, they've listened to me blather on about, you know, who I am, what I do, oh, I was scared of this. I'm still really scared because fear keeps you alive as well. But at the same time, nothing is as scary as what you've been through already. It's telling your truth. It is really empowering it frees you it gives you it gives you back control of your life and it gives you back control of your choices because i'm making them from a different place now i'm making them from a place of confidence and i'm doing this for me i'm not making a decision based on fear anymore and i i now know that's what i was doing in the past i was making decisions based on what if oh god if, oh you know and everything had a had a bad consequence whereas now i'm like well, if i don't do that how will i know what's going to happen next this could be the best opportunity in the world so I've, I've totally changed how i see things and i'm no longer scared to put myself out there and go do you know what i want that job so i'm going to go after it and Sometimes it. I get the job. Other times it gets. I don't. you know you don't get them. But now I just go, okay. I wasn't meant to get that one. Yeah, <laughs> I can. I can bounce. Like, yeah. Before,
0: when I first met you, you couldn't bounce. But you was questioning everything. This was a thing. Yeah. Like anything that was said, you was like, oh, I don't think I could do that. And I, and I was like, what? Yeah. What what you taught? Yeah, I was like, like oh no, no. No, was always like, no, no, Kendra. What you taught me was as well, and I've never said this to you. Is I've spent years trying to save children. That's what I do. I save children. I'm saving Blondie. Yeah. You reminded me. You reminded me that actually adults are out there suffering as well. They also need support, and it could be from somebody like me. So I never thought. I was like, I can't support an adult. What of support can I offer? Since our meeting. My whole mindset has changed in that way. And I'm, I'm able to um, look at everyone contextual safeguarding around a child. And I can see when an adult needs that kind of support as well. So when you say we met yeah. for a reason, we definitely met for a reason. Because it's like we kind of taught each other to see a different way. Because I don't really care about the people at my training. I'm there to give them a spanking about what, you know... <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm gonna make you all feel awful and go and do your jobs a lot better and you actually come up to me and said, Yeah, you just come yeah. to me and I was like, Oh, okay. And it, it made me reflect on my practice and in a very good way. And so I think that we both have made the world a better place in our own ways. And it's amazing. Oh, I hope so.
1: I mean Yeah, and I mean I mean i I I went and I went off and i I I had a few days of oh my god because everything was just crowding into my head after we had that meeting everything was just crowding in and i found you on twitter and we had conversations and i was like i can't do this i can't do this i can't i can't do this and when i decided to tell my story i think i told it about 43 million times in my head to myself and into a mirror and i wrote things down and i was like no one is gonna believe that Seriously <laughs> do you know? Because sometimes when when you look back at it yourself, you think well that's mad. Yes. And and you you even have that question in your own mind of was I responsible? How did I let that happen? Why did I let that happen? How did I give that permission? Well I you did because you're not that person. Who I am now looking back onto that is a very different person to the person that these things happened to. And I, think I, to
0: you, it- I think I said to you at one point when we were talking about,
1: about your story
0: and I said to you, you're not a victim, you're a survivor. Because you kept saying, oh, I'm a victim. I was going, oh, well, you was. You was a victim, but you're a survivor. Yeah, I, was like, yeah, I bloody am. I was like, yeah, you're bloody you just need someone. It's like you needed permission for to me. To change the language. Yeah, to change yeah. the language, even though yeah. your job... It's a p- and it's important for people to know your job, like we started, and the reason I bring it back to that, is your job mm. is that you change the mindset of other people, how they treat children. But you couldn't apply yeah. it themselves. And how many adults, yeah. and there's many people watching this now that are thinking, I'm a fraud. We'll talk about um, Gemma Atkinson's video you watched yesterday. She, she, she says that. She says, yeah. I'm fake. Like. And here we are, another woman yeah. saying that they felt the same way.
1: Yeah, I, I did. And I, I, um, I am very, very careful and very, very choosy who gets to know my truth, Good. if that makes sense. Yeah. Because it's still mine. Yes. And it could still be used against me by some people because there are some flipping horrible people out there. Um, But I'm guarded with it and I choose carefully who I tell because I can't cope at times with how it makes somebody else feel. I get that. And I'm, I'm barely responsible for my own... Welfare. I can't be held responsible for how my story makes somebody else feel. And if I think somebody isn't strong enough to listen to it, then I don't tell them. Or they get a very sugar-coated, yeah, version of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. <laughs> I think it's important for people to know that
0: when we say tell your truth, you can be like me. do have to. Like squeeze it from the tops, or you can be somebody who just tells that one person, and it's not a secret anymore.
1: Yeah, and just doing that or just write it down. Get it out. Put it in an envelope to yourself. Yeah. Put it down. Burn it. I mean the I, I I I wrote all mine down, I printed it off. And I burned it and just sent it out there. And you know, was just I can't tell you <laughs> I can't stress enough that by doing that by freeing yourself all sorts of things have changed in my life as, as a consequence i'm i no longer am stressed as, i'm still stressed well i'm not stressed as, yeah we've all got a bit of stress but i don't sweat the small stuff anymore and i don't if i can't change something then it's not my job to change it that's right and and I, I don't let myself get stressed out over things that are beyond my control. Because part of, part of the feeling I used to have was I had to control everything because control was taken away from me for so long. And now I've gained control of my own thought processes. That's what I needed. Not control of my life, not control of my family, not that. What I needed, and I know that now, was control over what I allow to come into my headspace and to be able to deal with it and not be scared of it anymore. It's it's like I go and sit up on my decking, on my summer house, where that photograph was taken two nights ago.
0: Yeah.
1: That everybody seems to have gone a bit, oh, that's a pretty picture on, on social yeah. media. Yeah. It was, yeah, I've yeah that's 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 the picture that i think if i become a famous writer or something like that that's going to be on the dust sleeve of my or if or if if i go missing we'll put that on you know (laughs) that one please (laughs) and put it on a wine bottle then my friends will find me (laughs) they'll know i've gone missing put it on a milk carton they won't notice it on there they'll notice it on wine (laughs) um But I, I can sit up there now, and I can sit up there in the dark. Before. I'm, no longer, I'm no longer afraid of the dark. I used to be terrified of the dark. not afraid of it anymore, because the dark is something that happens every day. And nothing else that happens every day scares me, so why should the dark scare me? It doesn't. It's not the dark I'm afraid of. It's, it's what the dark used to cause me to think about that I was afraid of. and I'm okay with that. <laughs> even, even though you're um, not dark
0: anymore, you will always, you will always be Dark Side Debbie. Like if I, if somebody asked me who he was, i yeah. be like, I dark, that's Dark Side Debbie. But it <laughs> goes back to just being a nickname rather than who I see. Yeah. Because now you're, you're like, you like Bright Side Debbie now, but
1: it doesn't sound the same. So you <laughs> can't Debbie, no. you're Dark Side Debbie, that's it. We like Dark Side. Gives me an edge. Gives me yeah. an edge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of my friends said that my eyes are lighter now. They're not yeah. as dark brown as they used to be. Whether, you know, whether that's an age thing or not, yeah. And and it's it's just, I guess it just. The, the the best thing that anybody can do for anybody else is allow them to grow. And what I'd done a lot of the time was, without realising it, I'd surrounded myself with people who purposely kept me small, who didn't want me to grow. They, they felt threatened by it. They felt upset by it. Some of those people were family members. I will say that. Not my immediate family, not no. my kids, not my husband, not those. And because they had their own demons to deal with. Of course. They could see me growing and changing and wanting to... I had this inner fight going on I don't think some people could have coped knowing that I'd suffered too. Yeah. Because I've, I've, I've always been people's go-to girl as well. I'm, that, I'm, the, I'm the strong friend and, you know, Deb's always got an answer and, it, you know, I've, I've always been that person and you just think, well, okay, if, if they see me cry, that's it, they'll fall apart. So everything but, I felt, they, I kept they, quiet. And
0: I, they didn't fall apart, didn't they?
1: People, okay. I, I did it all in silence. I did all mine in the dark away from everybody. But but I I just I saw that picture that I took the other night and I was so proud of how I looked and so proud of um of what that woman in that picture has been through and what that woman in that picture stands for now.
0: what does she
1: stand for what she she stands for now is just freedom and she stands for being yourself and she stands for not taking any crap off anybody because why the hell should I what that woman now stands for is helping other people to be themselves to be who they are Not some imitation of themselves or what other people expect them to be. That woman in that picture has been through hell and back. And I mean hell and back. You know my story. You know where I've been. And it was very, it was bloody dark. It was not pleasant. It gives me shivers still. But it doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter what your journey's been. It doesn't matter what the dark things were that happened to you what matters is what you do about it now and yes. what matters is honoring that and, and acknowledging it because it's it's you that's part of you and that i can now look at photographs of myself of 30 something years ago and i look at that girl in those photographs and i think do you know what sweetheart you are. a bloody lovely kid you were lovely you were a really nice young lady and it wasn't you were a fun person and it wasn't your no family. no you were fun to be around but you were vulnerable um you, you were gobby you drank too much I, we'd had a tragedy in our family which sent me over the edge for a few years and it was in that period of time that I was at my most vulnerable and the worst things in my life occurred to me in, in that, that period of time. Lots of counselling has helped. Please, anybody who is watching, do it. Do the work because you're worth it.
0: You're okay. You are. You're
1: okay. And I I discovered running. Oh, God. I hate every step. I want to cry. Every- step I'm taking on that run but the feeling I get when I come home is I did that I actually ran for 40 minutes or I ran for 45 minutes I ran for half an hour don't care how far I've been don't care it's I was out there my music is on my headspace people someone said to me when I used to have long hair when I first started running someone said to me that's really dangerous Debbie you should shouldn't wear your hair in a ponytail and you shouldn't have headphones on. You go running out in the, those country lanes. And I went, okay, why, why is that dangerous? And they said, well, someone could grab you from behind and they, they can swing you with your ponytail and they can do this and do that. And I was like, yeah, I know they can. I said, but that can also happen in my home. Exactly that. I said, it happens in, it happens in people's homes more than it happens outside. I said... No, I said, what 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 I need to get you to understand is people need to be educated that they can't behave like that anymore. <laughs> and she just looked at me and she said, What do you mean? I said, I am not frightened to go running on my own out in the country lanes where I live. I said, because actually I never see anybody. I said, don't put that fear in my head don't make me become a victim again don't do that and she she just kind of went but it's true you're vulnerable out there you could be in danger I said well if I am then it's it's that I am I I can't control that I I said my husband knows I'm out now I'm running I'm doing this I'm doing that you can track my phone You know, I said he knows roughly how long I'm gonna be and he knows roughly where I'm gonna go. I said if I change my route, I ring him and let him know. I said, if he's not worried about me, if he's confident enough that I'm safe out there, then why should I be worried? And
0: Your whole your whole attitude to it has changed. I mean, you've gone from somebody who fears everything to goes to other people, why are you scared? And that's exactly why. I had to bring you here. You were so nervous mm-hmm. about this interview, and we've gone all the yeah. way. Through, and you absolutely killed the game. So I don't know what the problem was. <laughs> Debbie, I, I think people are going to watch this, and I think that you're going to make people want to um, think, at least think about telling their truth. Can you say goodbye to all of our lovely viewers, please? Say why? Say goodbye. Oh, say goodbye. <laughs>
1: I swear to God I haven't had a drink, Kendra. <laughs> I'll do it again. Can
0: you say goodbye to all our lovely viewers and say thank you for watching?
1: I can. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for watching. And we, we've we got you. We have. Thank you. We've